Well, good morning. We're going to get started this morning. Uh, just a few announcements before we uh, begin our worship service. We have our monthly fellowship meal after our class time today. That all are welcome to stay for that. Uh, as usual, there's a, a nursery available for little ones if you need that. And I think Angie is attending to that today if you need that. Um, the only other thing I have is just a reminder of the bonfire this Friday at Saturday. Oh, it's wrong in here. All right, Saturday, bonfire Saturday at the Siemens. Don't show up Friday to the Siemens. Okay. So some more, more details to follow there. Um, just real quick note about the insert that's in your bulletin here. Um, this is regarding Reformed Presbyterian Missions and Ministry. This is essentially a, a centralized place for uh, helping to fund the various ministries and missions of the RPCNA. And once a year, they, they designate a particular day um, uh, to give uh, to, our, to the missions and ministry of um, the RPCNA. Um, just a couple of notes about that. Our, our church, uh, as, as a congregation, we do already significantly give uh, as a budget item, as part of our budget annually to um, RPM&M. Um, but you can also give uh, above and beyond that individually if you'd like to, and that's, that's really the purpose of this. And you can see... Uh, the various uh, ministries of our church that are served through this fund, um, global missions, home missions, which is church planting, um, our, our publisher, Crown and Covenant, uh, youth ministries, uh, the home for seniors in Pittsburgh, uh, church revitalization, uh, the college, Geneva College, our seminary, graduate studies, and there's, there's a little more description of, of each of those on the back. So... Uh, anyways, this is good for um, information to keep these ministries in front of us uh, and also an invitation to give. Uh, are there any other announcements this morning? Anything else? All right. Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> All right. Anything else? All right, well, if you'd have your bulletin handy for our call to worship, and then we'll just take a moment to, uh, in quiet prayer, uh, to prepare our hearts for worship this morning. Uh, if you would take your bulletins and stand for our call to worship this morning, from Psalm 95. Hear God's call and respond. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and sheep. 
his hand. Let's also begin our worship in singing from this psalm, Psalm 95. We'll sing selection A, and we're going to sing the first and the last two stanzas. The first and the last two, one, five, and six. Let's sing praise to God. standing for prayer. Our Lord and God, it's our great privilege and joy to begin another week gathered before your throne uh, to be reminded and refreshed in uh, who we are as your children, belonging to a God who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Lord, you are all of these things. Uh, you are all of these things for us uh, by your grace. We ask that you would assure us again this morning as we come with various heavy burdens on our hearts, as we come in need uh, to continue to repent, uh, remind us that we are not our own, but we belong body and soul and life and death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, that he has faithfully paid for all our sins with his precious blood and has set us free. That he also watches over us in such a way that not a hair can fall from our heads without the will of our Father in heaven. And that, in fact, all things must work together for our salvation. Lord, direct our minds to you and your gospel now and uh, be glorified in our worship and in our lives. Uh, we pray. Amen. Let's continue in uh, worship with Psalm 30. We'll sing Selection A. This morning, Psalm 30, this psalm ends with this, you have turned my mourning into dancing, you have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Let's sing praise.
Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, into chapter 2. Follow along or listen as I read uh, here God's holy word. Beginning in verse 18, chapter 1. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God in the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block, and to Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren. That there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Down to verse 14. But a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We'll end our reading there this morning. In place of uh, prayer of confession uh, together and assurance of pardon this morning, we're going to sing from Psalm 103, and we'll sing more of this psalm later, and, and this is the text for our sermon as well this morning. Uh, we'll sing selection B here. Uh, in this psalm, we come with David to acknowledge our sin and our weakness, uh, but confessing God as uh, the Lord of grace here. Uh, and the God who is rich in love. Uh, So let's stand again, sing Psalm 103, Selection B.
Please be seated. Now give uh, to the Lord uh, our tithes and offerings. I'll just direct your attention to the verse that's there listed in the bulletin. As we come to this duty and privilege to give generously to the Lord to advance his kingdom uh, from Curse Chronicles there, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. Let's go to our time of prayer together now. Uh, after I uh, begin, lead us in prayer. You're invited, as usual, to pray aloud, a request, or a praise, so that uh, we all can hear and join you in that. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we confess this morning that we are completely and utterly dependent on you, uh, dependent for our very lives, for forgiveness and reconciliation with you. Uh, we're dependent for any good that we would do or any love we would have, any peace or joy. We ask this morning, Lord, for peace for those who are struggling in various ways. Lord, I pray for those who among us who are sad, perhaps grieving or discouraged or even depressed this morning, that you would help them to grasp and live in the hope and joy that, that they have in you. Lord, we pray for those of us holding on to uh, some bitterness or frustration or resentment, that they would really trust uh, and live out your love. Lord, we pray for those who are facing significant decisions in the near future, that you would give them wisdom. Father, I pray for the parents who are here, that you would give them patience and perseverance, give them wisdom. Give them real, a real sense of their vocation, their high calling from you in raising children for your glory and your kingdom. Give them encouragement in that. Lord, in, as we continue to pray for those in our church family uh, week by week, we pray this morning for August and understand that some of the dolls are uh, ill today and we pray that you would give them healing. But we do thank you for August and pray that you would continue to teach him about yourself and uh, why and how it is that he needs you. Uh, he needs your forgiveness, your love, your guidance. Um, continue to teach him to love others well. Uh, we thank you also this morning for Diane Seaman, uh, for her faithfulness as a wife and mother and friend and uh, part of the body of Christ here. We thank you for her love and encouragement of others, for her willingness to serve, her enthusiasm to know you, uh, continue to sustain her in health and faith and in all the many ways that you're using her to serve and strengthen the kingdom uh, of Christ Jesus. Uh, Father, we pray for our witness for Christ in our friendships and workplaces and schools and families, that you would use our lives and our words to call people to, to life in Christ. Uh, we ask this week that you would uh, rule and overrule in, in our elections, 
uh, Tuesday. Uh, Lord, you've given us responsibility to vote on policies and choose leaders this Tuesday uh, to serve under King Jesus in our cities and counties and state, and we ask for wisdom. Uh, We pray also for the ministry and spread of the gospel around the world, and we pray particularly this morning for the mission you've been pleased to give us as a church in South Sudan. Uh, We thank you for the many thriving congregations there that are a fruit of this mission of yours, and we pray with them this morning, particularly for the Christian school. And we ask for a smooth transition from a school year ending to another one beginning, uh, for wisdom and plans being made, for enrollment of many students again, for needed resources and teachers, and that this would continue to be a significant means of of Christian education there to your glory. Father, hear us as we uh, mention other matters for prayer.
Father, thank you for hearing our prayers, and we bring all these things to you again in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. Let's sing once more as we prepare to hear God's word together from Psalm 119. We've been singing our way through this psalm, this part in our service. We'll sing Selection I today. Uh, There's a very interesting part of Psalm 119. I'll mention just one thing. Um, might come to a phrase in this psalm that sounds a little funny, a little silly, but the psalmist speaks of those who won't hear God's word uh, as uh, with the imagery of their, their heart being made of fat or enclosed in fat. And that strange image simply being that, that nothing's getting through. Um, maybe an idiom in our, or a, an image in our world would be a, a little kid putting his hands over his ears. He doesn't want to hear what someone's trying to tell him. Uh, But the psalmist here says to God, teach me, Lord, teach me good judgment, teach me knowledge. Let's make that our prayer as we uh, prepare to hear God's word. Psalm 119i, let's stand and sing.
Please be seated. Turn with me this morning to Psalm 103. And the last part of this psalm that we'll sing at the end of the service will be our psalm of the month for November. So we'll hear this psalm together this morning and then um, we'll return to our series in Acts next week. As I read this psalm, just a a few things to to listen for Uh, on the way it's written. The psalmist David begins by speaking to himself in the first five verses. Uh, My soul, um, the you, the your there is David speaking to himself. And then the the bulk of the psalm in the middle, he he takes up we, our, us. He, He joins, as it were, and speaks for the people of God. And then the last four verses, he turns and speaks to the entire universe uh, and calls uh, all things to, to worship uh, the sovereign God. So here as I read Psalm 103, God's holy word. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, he's mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind is passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We had a, uh, in Florida, a good uh, elderly friend who is fond of saying, Uh, In appropriate times, uh, he would say, you know, the second thing to go is your short-term memory. He'd say, I can't remember the first thing. He would say, we had many chuckles uh, over that comment on memory. And I want us to think, as we begin, about memory. Uh, Though our memories are imperfect and they wane, uh, yet memory is a powerful thing. It shapes our attitudes, our thinking, our emotions. Often memory does that uh, consciously or unconsciously. Uh, There are places or traditions or events that bring us joy, often almost involuntarily. Um, On the other hand, there's post-traumatic stress or depression or intense 
fears that are driven by painful memories, things that have become a part of us. Again, at times, often somewhat involuntarily. But we also have much control over how we use our memories. We choose to focus on particular memories. We, we enshrine certain things or events in our lives. Uh, sometimes a, a smell or a sound triggers a memory for me, uh, a place or an activity that I love. Uh, but, but I've also chosen to love, chosen to focus on those things or those times or those places. Uh, but memory is, is a complex and powerful ever-present force in our lives. And so I want you to think this morning as we begin here about the necessary connection between memory and worship. Memory and worship. Now, this psalm is, is largely a reflection on God's grace, and I hope that's what it is primarily for you, an encouragement in that this morning. But I want to challenge you to think, are you worshiping with an active memory? Uh, we could summarize a, a main point of this psalm just reading verse 2 here at the beginning. Uh, Bless the Lord. There's this call to, to worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Uh, worship the Lord. Do not forget. That's a, that's a negative way to put it. The positive way to put what David says here is to worship the Lord remembering. Worship the Lord by remembering all that you have to remember. And the, the kind of remembering the psalmist then calls us to throughout the psalm is a, a grateful remembering. Remembering with, with overwhelming and uh, compelling gratitude uh, for all that God is, all that he's done. That, that functions as a motive and a stimulus for worship. How often are you conscious that worship and remembrance, your memory, are really inextricable? Uh, there are other things that we connect to uh, worship as characteristics or motives. There's reverence and our sense of duty uh, to the Lord. Um, but I think we could say that the, the fuel, the fuel largely of, of sincere and heartfelt godly worship uh, is, is a grateful memory. And this psalm goes on to catalog specific things the worshiper should remember, should should be mindful of, that, that should compel uh, someone to worship, things that should be on our minds, compelling us to praise and honor God. Uh, there's a, a popular worship chorus that is from this psalm. It's verse 1 and the first line of verse 2, um, and that's, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul. And that's, that's repeated many times, that is, that's the, the entirety of the psalm. That's great as far as it goes. Uh, but this psalm goes on to carefully catalog all of the reasons to bless the Lord. Again, the second half of, of verse 2, uh, not forgetting or remembering uh, all these many things. Uh, Robert Godfrey comments on this psalm, Genuine gratitude reviews in detail the wonderful gifts of our God. And that's what this psalm does. If, if, in other words, if, if, you, if all that you have in mind... And this would be okay as far as it goes, maybe, but as all of you have in mind is some general sentimental notion about God being uh, kind and nice to you, uh, powerful, life-shaping, worshiping gratitude won't, won't pour out of that. Uh, this psalm catalogs specifically uh, how God is this to us. It, it points the importance of, of studying our Bibles, of studying God's ways, of 
systematically trying to understand the, the height and depth and breadth of God's grace to us. Um, understanding biblical theology, church history, one of the reasons we're studying church history uh, together. Uh, we have much to remember uh, of God's grace uh, that informs our worship. The psalmist lists uh, immediately five things after telling us to remember. Uh, in verses 3 to 5, God is the one who forgives you. Uh, he heals you. He redeems your life. I think that in includes resurrection hope. Uh, he crowns you. He crowns your life. That is, your, your life is capped off. It's, it's marked by God's faithfulness and compassion the whole way through. Uh, he satisfies you with good things, the best things. Uh, God satisfies our souls, David says. He doesn't just give us toys and amusements. He satisfies us in the deepest ways. Uh, and that's pictured there like a uh, soaring like an eagle. And the rest of the psalm really unpacks these things a bit, elaborating on remembrance of God's grace. And so I want to look at that particularly under two headings. We're, we're called in this psalm to bless and to worship God, uh, remembering his grace, uh, powerfully seen in light of two things. We powerfully remember God's grace in light of our sin uh, and in light of our weakness, our, our frailty. So that's what we'll look at this morning and then close with this, this universal call to worship. So number one, remember God's grace uh, in light of sin, uh, beginning in, in verses 6 and 7 here. Um, th this section of the psalm is one of the most beautiful and powerful reflections on God's grace uh, in the entire Bible, I think. Um, and as such, um, historically, in, in Reformed churches historically, this hasn't been my experience, but churches have used Psalm 103 in communion in the Lord's Supper uh, because of that. Um, look at verse 7. It's, it's easy to miss how powerful one of these first points is. Uh, verse 7, it just sounds like a passing reference to Moses. Uh, he, made way, he made known his ways to Moses. Um, but David is, is jogging our memories there. Um, and he goes on in verse 8 to quote a very powerful and famous passage from Exodus 34, a story about Moses. Uh, he's turning our memories back to that. I, I want us to turn back to uh, Exodus 34 for just a moment uh, and consider that scene that David is prompting us to remember. Exodus 34, the, the setting, the, the background here really begins in chapter 33, verse 18. You'll recall when, when Moses prayed, uh, show me your glory. Moses asked God to see his glory, and I won't keep reading from there, but you remember God's response. He says, well, you can't see my glory, you'll die. Uh, no, no, one can, no living thing can handle the, the full weight of my glory. But he says, you'll come back tomorrow, make sure nothing else is on the mountain, and I'll hide you behind this rock and I'll allow my back to pass by. The, the idea being, you know, I'll just show you the, a tiny, tiny, tiny glimpse uh, of my glory. That's, that's all you can handle, but it'll, it'll give you a sense of who I am. And then verse 30, or chapter 34, beginning in verse 2, here's God's instruction. Be ready by morning. Come up in the morning to Mount Sinai. Present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No man is to come up with you uh, or any animals as he goes on, presumably because they would die. Um, verse 4, he cut two stone tablets like the former ones. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took the two stone tablets in his hand. 
And, and just pause and, and remember more of the background here. God had delivered the people of Israel with spectacular miracles that demonstrate his love for them, his compassion, uh, his justice towards their oppressors. He promised to be with them and lead them, and this is what he's been doing to give them land, to give them a future. And, and it wasn't long at all before they were complaining, right, and distrusting God and turning to other gods um, and setting up a golden calf. I mean, very shortly after, this is why Moses has to make two more stone tablets, right? They, um, God wasn't working on their timeline, and so they turned away from him. Um, not long after this scene that we're reading here, there'll be more rebellion, more complaining, more turning to false gods. And yet, how does God reveal himself uh, in the middle of all of this uh, to this complaining and, and prideful people? We read on, verse 6, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. And we won't keep reading. It's, it's not all God says. It's not without warning. Um, God is not sentimental and indifferent towards sin, as he makes clear. But um, for those who continue to seek him and repent, this is the character of God. This is the character of God towards you. Uh, no matter what you've done, how doubtful or stubborn or unfaithful or cruel or deceitful or prideful you have been, uh, this is who God is to you. And God dramatically revealed that to his people there at Sinai and especially to Moses in this event, showing him his glory, but also proclaiming what his glory was as a, as a God compassionate and gracious. And that's what David quotes here in, in verse 8 in this psalm. But I would challenge you to recognize that, that you ought to remember that God has more dramatically, most dramatically revealed verse 8 to you in the person of Jesus. Uh, more than what Moses got to see. The, the ultimate demonstration of the loving kindness of God that we talked about that word in Lamentations, the said, the covenant faithfulness of God, that Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness or, or steadfast love, is the cross. Is the cross where, where despite your persistent sin, uh, God, God's wrath crushed his own son in your place. So that's how verses 9 and 10 can be true. He, is, uh, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. The word translated strive there is actually a legal word in Hebrew. It means to, to strive with someone legally in a, in a court of law. Um, the idea being you are infinitely guilty because uh, before the judge of the universe, God is, God is infinitely wronged by our sin, but God doesn't prosecute you. He doesn't strive with you legally. He's already, he's already prosecuted your sin in the person of Jesus. We do experience God's discipline and suffer in this fallen world, but there's an end. There's a purpose to that. Uh, it's, it's not judgment for sin. Verse 10 goes on, He has not dealt with us as a, according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And verse 11 puts it this way, just as a, or, or verse 11, sorry, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. As high as the heavens, the it's not heaven, 
There, it's, it's the heavens, every, everything above us um, in, in uh, the Hebrew understanding. Um, infinitely high. So if you picture your sins over your life, every, uh, every wrong thought, every selfish thought, every angry word, every lie, every, every sin piled higher than a skyscraper. Uh, the point is that God's loving kindness is higher. God's loving kindness is higher. There's no limit to God's faithfulness to you because Jesus has made you a son. He's made you a daughter. He's made you clean and lovely before God. And this is, this is different than the way that transactional grace and patience and so on often work in our world um, within a limit. All right, you can... Stay in the basketball game if you foul someone, you foul someone again and again, but eventually, five fouls, you, you're done. There's a limit. No more grace. You're kicked out, right? Um, you can, in the state of Colorado, you can, I don't know this from experience yet, but you can keep your driver's license up to 18 points, right? And then you're done. They take it away. No more grace. Not so with God's grace to those whose faith is in him, in Christ, there's no limit to God's faithfulness. The psalmist keeps piling on imagery of God's grace to sinners. Verse 12, as far as east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That what's pictured there is not something in the east and something, that's backwards, something in the east, something in the west, but those two as, as infinitely far. Right? God has put your sin infinitely far from you, from him. It's not as if God is, you know, keeping your sins in his back pocket in case he needs to bring them out and put them in your face and hit you over the head with them again sometime. They're gone. They're obliterated. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I am he who blots out your transgressions. That's erases them. Uh, for my own sake, God says, and I will not remember your sins. I think the, the most... Uh, comforting and, and warmest imagery of all in this psalm is verse 13, perhaps. Thus as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. His compassion for you is like a father. Uh, those of you who are parents, mothers and fathers, uh, even in your sin and your, your imperfect and mixed motives, your impatience and selfishness at times, um, just think how still, how intensely you love your children, how you would do anything for them. You would rather hurt than they hurt. Think what you put up with from your children. Um, God's compassion is something like that, right? only, only perfect, uh, infinitely so. God loves you like he loves his son, Jesus, uh, who served and loved the Father perfectly. Uh, that's how God views you in Christ. So God's infinite grace to you despite your sin ought to be on your minds, in your memories, weekly, uh, as we come together for worship, uh, driving us uh, to, to grateful worship. Secondly, remember God's grace in light of weakness, David calls us to. Remember God's grace in light of our weakness. Verse 14 uh, begins this theme. Our God says, or David says, for he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. Um, you might have a note on, on 
the phrase, our frame there, it's, it's what we're made of. God knows what we're made of. Um, he knows how weak, how finite we are. He knows how we groan under the curse in this world. Uh, but here's the, the wonderful truth of the scriptures, that God doesn't know that just intellectually, as, as if God just, just observed and he's taken in some information about how weak and broken and finite we are. No, God has entered into that. He's become man, right, in the person of Jesus and lived that suffering and weak life. He's lived and experienced the full range and weight of the effects of sin uh, to the point of the most excruciating and unjust death uh, in history. Uh, the psalmist goes on to describe more specifically uh, this in, in terms of the breath, uh, brevity of life. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind is passed over, it's no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. Right, we're in a, you know, the time of year where we see this happening a lot. Flowers were flourishing, and then one morning it's nine degrees, and they're brown and laying down. Happens quickly. So, in other words, from a materialistic worldview, aside from the grace of God, that's, that's an image for our lives. They're not so different from the importance and significance of grass or a seasonal flower. You know, the reality is the vast majority of people, including us who have ever lived or will live, are completely forgotten within a few generations. I mean, we don't really like to think about that, but that's, that's generally the case. By the time you get to, you know, great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents, there's almost nothing known. Well, maybe there's a few exceptions, maybe a few of you can... Tell us a little bit about your great-grandparents. You could probably talk for a few minutes about them, and then you will have exhausted all you know. I was reminded of this in doing some genealogical research a number of years ago, uh, just this reality that for most people, all that's left after just a few generations is maybe a data record somewhere of a grave site where it is, and you know, names on census forms every 10 years if you can find them. The point is that we forget, right? We forget and we become forgotten to this world. Um, we forget each other. Um, we tend to forget many and good, good and important things. We tend to forget things that would uh, help us to live in gratitude. And we tend to remember things that make us bitter and discontent uh, and hold grudges. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has has a comment like that on this psalm. He says, By a strange perversity, our memories treasure up the refuse of our past and permit priceless treasures to lie neglected. They are tenacious of grievances and hold benefits all too loosely. But the point of that is then comes the great contrast of God's grace, verse 17. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. Children's 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 children. Uh, God knows what you're made of. He knows your weakness and in, in your memory, too. Um, there's no time limit on God's memory and on his love. He, he takes us from fading and forgotten grass, as it were, and joins us to himself uh, to be everlasting, uh, to be known and loved. Uh, forever. Uh, so this is the picture of God's grace 
in this psalm, in light of our sin, uh, in light of our weakness. Let's consider thirdly and finally this call to worship uh, with all the creation. Uh, The psalmist again began by speaking to himself. Uh, David's saying, here are the reasons, self, uh, that, that you have to overflow with gratitude, to get up and praise God. This is what God has done for you personally. And then he moves on to include all of God's people. This is who God is for us. This is what God has done for us. Uh, Let's worship him together. Uh, And now he expands that to the whole universe and and reflects on God's sovereign rule. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. And we won't read the rest of this here, but he goes on to uh, call on the angels and every created thing to praise the sovereign but loving and gracious God. God's sovereignty ought to be part of our remembering as well, his sovereign rule. Um, I just want to point out that uh, God's love towards you is not just a sentimental love. It's it's not just a feeling of goodness, of niceness towards you. God's love comes at infinite cost. It's, it's expressed in very specific, redeeming ways in your lives, uh, in, in the history of the church, uh, in the world. And so you're remembering, you're remembering of God's grace in these many ways and many more ways, beyond what we've looked at in this psalm, uh, is not to be sentimental or just generic. It ought to be specific. Uh, verse 18, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts, to do them. Uh, verse 20 also speaks of obeying the voice of his, uh, of his word. Our remembering, our response uh, has specific content as well. Um, genuine gratitude is lived out. It's proven in, in concrete obedience and genuine trust towards God. We remember particularly and specifically uh, all of who God is and what he's done. And that works itself out in, in particular ways that we follow him. So, if and when you struggle with, with feeling gratitude or with feeling worshipful, let me suggest you make a list. Work on remembering. Uh, be specific. Uh, you, you can't exhaust the reasons that you have to live in overflowing gratitude. You can't exhaust the depth of those reasons that you have uh, to remember and to worship God. Um, it ought to be what drives us every week to gather in worship. Uh, Every Lord's Day, Uh, we have so many things to remember. And every week, every Lord's Day, we have seven more days of reasons piled up that ought to be sort of bearing down on us, compelling us joyfully to go and and worship the Lord, to give thanks to him. Uh, Things that we don't even even know or, or recognize as well. So let me encourage you to be mindful as much as possible and increasingly of all that you have to be grateful for, all that you have to remember. And not, not first or primarily stuff. We have lots of stuff and material benefit to, to give thanks to the Lord, to praise him for. But first, uh, his, his grace and his love in spite of your sin, in light of your weakness uh, that this psalm lays out. Uh, remember these things. List these things in your prayers. Uh, be especially and mindful of those as, as we come together to worship God. So pray that grateful worship would characterize us as a congregation, uh, characterize our prayers for and our encouragement of each other as well.
Uh, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again this week for your word uh, here through David in Psalm 103, uh, for these wonderful descriptions of your um, unconditional grace to us, uh, these wonderful illustrations of that, your love for us as a father, for example. We thank you for the encouragement here not to forget, uh, to remember these things particularly and carefully. Uh, We pray that you would help us to do that, to remember, to encourage each other in remembering, um, and let that stir us to worship in in all of life and as we come together each week to worship you. And we pray all this in Christ and for his sake. Amen. Let's sing uh, again from Psalm 103. Uh, In response, we'll sing uh, now selection C. This begins with the the part of this psalm that discusses uh, God God knows our weakness. Uh, He knows our frailty, and his compassion is uh, to us in light of that. So let's stand and sing Psalm 103, Selection C. your psalm books open right there. We'll sing the last part of this psalm then as a benediction, selection three, uh, uh, as a doxology after the benediction. Receive God's blessing.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. stuff down sometimes. I know. Yeah. <laughs>